It's another week of the Coach Mac podcast. The Mid-American Conference announced that fall sports have officially been postponed until the spring. Coach McElwain tells us how he found out, his message to his team, what he thinks a spring football season would look like, and much more. Our guest is Detroit Pistons and Michigan State football play-by-play broadcaster George Blaha. Coach Mack dives deep into the early years of Blaha's career, how him and George became such good friends, along with some great Pistons and NBA memories. Thanks so much for listening and hope you enjoy. Well, we bring you in for episode 16 and coach, it's been quite the week throughout the college football landscape. How you doing? You know what? We're doing good. We're uh, obviously kind of over that initial uh, shock, I guess, is a good way to put it. Uh, And yet, I'm not sure anybody in the back of their mind didn't really think that this might happen. Um, But really, your your focus after you get that, uh, yeah, there's disappointment and and uh, but you immediately turn yourself as a head coach to your players you know, the, their families, um, you know, obviously your staff and people in the organization. And and then let's go ahead with what we have and put a plan together that's best for these kids and, and best for Central Michigan. Coach, obviously talking about the postponement of fall sports that was announced by the Mid-American Conference on Saturday. Coach, I just want to go back to last week. Um how did you find out and when did you find out that football and the rest of the fall sports weren't going to happen this year in the Mid-American Conference? Probably when a bunch of reporters were hitting my phone at about 7.30 in the morning on Saturday <laughs> that obviously got a leak from somewhere and I didn't know what they were talking about. But uh, um, no, we, we, you know, the, the presidents were going to meet. We had a good plan, uh, we felt, um, as a conference going forward with an you know, an eight conference uh, game schedule with one, you know, non-conference or possibly two. Um, and it looked like the presidents were, you know, on their way to kind of, you know, move in that way. Obviously, um, certain members in the conference then, you know, chose to, to pull back on that. And then uh, the ruling came out Saturday. So um, I, I think I probably, uh, and, and I, could probably say this for everybody that when there wasn't a decision made on Thursday and they postponed it to Saturday that, that, um, you know, there might've been some talk that way. And obviously since then, uh, you know, with, uh, the mountain West pulling out with, uh, the big 10 and the PAC 12 pulling out, you know, the, the landscape has, has really changed. And, uh, and yet, ultimately, uh, opinion one way or the other, I'm not sure any of us have enough of the actual information to say what's right or what's wrong. Yeah, still just trying to figure out everything that's going on, and you're right. Mac was the first FBS conference to pull out on Saturday. Since then, other teams and conferences, i.e. the Big 12 and the Big 10, or the, uh, the Pac-12, I'm sorry, and the Big 10 have followed suit. Coach, I know you said you you maybe don't know right now, but when the ruling came out, saw the statement that you put out on Twitter, I guess tell us a little bit about your thoughts and what's, what was going on in your head when you finally knew for sure that there wasn't going to be a college football season in the fall for you guys. Well, you know, like I said, the first thing was, you know, our players. And, uh, 
knowing how disappointed they were uh, and are. Um, and, and uh, you know, my, my main focus was obviously them and um, what we could do, you know, to give them uh, some direction, uh, some answers, um, you know, letting them all know we're all in it together. Uh, obviously, since that time, um, you know, we, we've been able to, you know, piece some things together and, and know what we can help give them direction as we move forward. Um, you know, school starts this uh, Monday. And, uh, you know, for us, it's been really heavy. Let's, let's make sure we get their schedules set. Um, you know, they know exactly what that is, what it looks like, the academic piece. Uh, getting them back to a routine uh, is, is something that, that I think is so important uh, to help those guys. Now, you know, one of the things that, that I do believe in the case of, of our 120 players that, you know, the protocol, um, the things that we had in place for them while they were here, I think was probably as sterile and as safe an environment as you can have. And, you know, my hat's off to how we put that together and the, the people involved in that, because uh, we had a, a, a very good plan for those guys Um following all the guidelines that, that the experts has put out there. Uh, the health of our team was really good. Um, and, you know, our guys were, were following that and being able to keep them in a routine, keep them disciplined, um, follow the guidelines. Uh, I think in some cases we were probably ahead of the normal student population only because we had a lot of those things in place. Yeah, and again, uh, that's a credit to the athletic department, your staff, and the university for, for making sure that those guys were as safe as possible. I imagine, Coach, there, there's a lot of guys on your team that uh, certainly are, are bummed, and you're taking in that news, something that we've never seen before, that there's not going to be college football. So I guess continuing off of what you were saying, what has been your initial messaging, or, or what have you been telling the players to – make sure that they're keeping their heads up and they are getting focused and ready for the academic year to get going. As you, as you mentioned, school starting next Monday. Well, I think one of the first things is, is, you know, we, we can feel sorry for ourselves and all that kind of stuff. And yet one of the things we always talk about is control the controllable and don't let the uncontrollable disrupt who you are and what you're all about. Um, so much of this is uncontrollable and it's, and it's unknown. So what are the things we can do uh, in the short term, in the now, you know, to, to uh, help ourselves be successful in whatever it is we're doing? And putting some of that down on paper, meeting with the guys about it, um, being there for them, I think is really important in understanding that we're all going through this together, you know, and, you know, a personal note, this is, uh, be the first year in 48 years uh, that I haven't been in a football practice in August. Um, so obviously it's a lot different um, even from this seat and in what I'm kind of accustomed to. So, um, you know, understanding that really all of us are going through it, but together we're going to go through it and, and be stronger. Now, giving them some 
guidance uh, as to what, you know, obviously there's other leagues that are playing, um, you know, there, there's overtures at some of our players, uh, you know, to, to maybe go continue playing somewhere else that's actually playing football this fall. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're dealing with those issues. Um, and, and again, at, in the big picture, we've got a really strong football team. It's, it's a bunch of really good players and good kids. And, and, you know, we're, we're going to get through this together and we're going to put a plan where how we come out on the back end of it, we're going to be stronger and uh, we're going to learn a lot from it. Certainly learning a lot now and we'll continue to do so. That's not an easy situation coach where you've got other universities that are still planning on playing football. And now you're one of the conferences that isn't, how do you handle that situation? Is it simply just, just talking to the guys in terms of, you know, trying to get guys to come and play for those universities or, you know, what, what is, again, yeah. the messaging that you're talking to those guys? Cause that's a convoluted situation as well. No, it absolutely is. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, the one thing is I, I want what's absolutely best for each one of these guys. And, you know, I'll never tell them what to do, uh, from that standpoint, but rather, you know, make sure that you have all the facts um, you know, that are out there, um, before you make a rash decision. Um, but with that, um, you know, our staff's done an outstanding job of, of, you know, visiting, being in touch with our guys, uh, more than a couple times a day. Um, we'll have another staff me or staff meeting, a team meeting, uh, uh, tomorrow where we're going to be able to kind of give them the plan moving into the first week of school and then what the second week's going to look like and, and those type of things, um, you know, that that's going to include uh, back to our, it sounds like we're, we're getting all this from the, from the conference and, and this and that, but we'll be back on that, you know, the eight hour a week um, uh, workout model, uh, be able to do some position specific uh, drills and, and work throughout the weeks uh, with our coaches Um you know, do, do a lot of the install stuff that we've been doing from a WebEx standpoint to stay on top of things and then kind of wait and see for the direction. Um, I think it's too early to tell whether the spring is a, a legitimate or um, where that's going to take us. But in the short term, you know, what can we do to make sure each one of these kids is taken care of and, you know, is, is, is taking care of his own business uh, and investing in himself in the right way. that That's really the main focus in what we're trying to do right now. You talked about the spring, Coach, and obviously that's what all these conferences that have canceled so far have said. It's a postponement, and they are going to try and play in the spring, uh, you know, as long as this uh, virus is handled and things are a little bit better off. Do you, as a football coach, knowing, you, you've said it, you've been a part of football for you're on a staff 40-plus years, do you think it's okay or do you think it can be done that student-athletes can play a spring season and then potentially come right back in the fall and play again? What are your thoughts on a spring season? Well, 
you know, you, you go back and forth, you know, you, you think of yourself as a 18 to whatever, 22 year old and, and, uh, you know, your ability to bounce back and, in whatever, you know, I, I, you know, I couldn't do it personally right now at my age. I know that, <laughs> but, um, you know, um, thinking back to those days, you know, you, you just, that, you know, you think about yourself when you grew up, you, you played whatever season it was, you just played all the sports, right? You, you just, it, it's what you did. And, uh, you know, but, but with that, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be real hard. Now, what exactly that looks like, um, that'll be interesting as we start to see some of the models. Um, you know, I have a, a, a thought and an idea that, that maybe, what might help all our schools in the Mac um, and uh, give us a chance to maybe have a spring spring practice, uh, then possibly play a couple games. You don't want at home, one on the road, be able to, you know, hopefully at that time, this is all pending on the, you know, once maybe we have this under control, um, you know, hopefully have some kind of vaccine, Maybe the testing becomes better and more readily available, um, you know, and, and that type of thing uh, that we're maybe able to have a home contest in the spring and really use those as exhibition games, for lack of a better term, and, uh, and, and see kind of how that goes and then head into the fall, hopefully with the idea of having a regular season. Um, but you know, I, I think, Adam, it's, it's, it's really interesting, and you hear the different sides, and yet I don't think any of us know exactly what it means and what it's going to look like, other than we've got to be able to adjust, we've got to be able to adapt, and ultimately overcome, knowing that no matter what we do, it's in the best interest of these kids, and... Um, you know, giving them the opportunities that, that they deserve. Yeah, you're certainly right, Coach. It, it's it's right now for, for you, for me, for other coaches, I'm sure it's just, uh, and players as well, it's just a lot of guessing and, and waiting and, and seeing right now just because we don't know. Uh, boy, it would be interesting, though, Coach, if we do have some college football in the fall and then some try and play in the spring because that's, that's what we're looking at right now. Uh, and, and, you know, I think, you know, it, it, here's what's going to be interesting is is going through this, um, and and let's just say that's how it works. Um, you know, seventy schools are playing, and you know, whatever sixty schools are doing something in the spring or whatever that is. Um, you know, I really wonder if this might bring us all together eventually, and really help us have kind of a well, I don't know, for lack of a better term, maybe a commissioner yeah. uh, or some type that oversees and, and, and really brings the different leagues, uh, you know, all together to be on the same page. Because, uh, you know, right now and, and even, shoot, let's look at it, even within certain leagues themselves, you've got people that are saying, you know, they don't agree with you know, whatever their, whatever their conference is saying. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and I, and I'm not sure that's right either. You know, um, 
I think that this is going to be one of those things that, that we're all going to be able to look back at. And I truly believe this. I think we're going to be able to learn a lot that's going to help us take this great game forward in a, in a better way. Yeah, definitely feels like this is one of those titanic moments in college athletics and college football that, like you said, we can look back on it and hopefully it'll help us change and improve for the better as, uh, you know, college football is not going anywhere. Everybody loves college football and uh, those student athletes, the coaches, the administrators, the university officials, everybody that's involved. It takes so much to make those seasons, those games happen. And when it does all come together, it's awesome. It's it's fun to cover. It's fun to watch. And certainly we all just want to get back to having those football games again and just having fall sports in general again. Certainly can't think – we can't forget about not just football players but all of the fall student athletes that are being affected by this. That's right. And, um, you know, for our guys, um, you know, it means so much to them. And, and I know what they put into it every day and, and uh, I know what they're looking forward to, right? The important part, I think, is is to be there for them and, you know, to give them guidance and uh, help them through it. And, you know, when there's going to be a time we're going to look back on this and say, hey, Adam, do you remember that messed up year in 2020? You know, <laughs> uh, and, and look at where we're at now. And, uh, you know, all of us are going to do the best we can by our players. And, and that's every coach. And, and obviously our staff does an outstanding job uh, in the relationship part of, of being involved in our kids' lives. And, you know, this has affected each one of them differently. Um, so it, it, there isn't one blanket thing that's going to say this is right or this is wrong. I think the importance now is understanding the individuals and, and really handling the individual cases one by one uh, to help these guys through it. Hey, Adam, remember 2020 when you made me do a podcast with you and then it eventually led to the shutdown of college football? Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> you know, don't think that, that – that probably has crossed my mind. Maybe <laughs> people said, we don't need football if they got to put up with this podcast anymore. I think it's the other way. It's it's uh, They don't need football because we get to listen to this podcast. That's all we need, right? <laughs> yeah, glass half full. That's You're right. right. There you go. That's, that's what you, coach, that's what you continue to preach, glass half full. So that's what I'm going to look at it. <laughs> I love it. Well, love before it. we, we uh, bring in George Blaha, another broadcaster coming in this week, can't wait to have him on. Coach, I did want to talk a, a quick Tigers note for you. This was pretty funny. We had Matt uh -huh. Shepard on last week, of course, TV voice of the Tigers. And they're playing the White Sox right now. And one of the right. White Sox pitchers is Cody Hoyer. And he's actually from... Your hometown, he's from Missoula, Montana. And what was hilarious, Shep and uh, Petrie, they're talking. They're like, man, we just we don't know much about Montana. We don't know much about Missoula. I'm like, we need Coach Mack on this broadcast right now. He could fill you in. <laughs> I could have helped him on that. Um, no, and in, in fact, I think they touched on the fact that he is the only active major league player from the state of Montana, all right, mm -hmm. which, uh, uh, believe me, throwing the baseball – during the spring in Montana, uh, 
you don't get a lot of good days, right? <laughs> um, so, um, but uh, no, he's a big, you know, six, five, six, six, whatever the heck he is and throws nothing but heat, but he better learn to keep it at least uh, put a few change-ups in there and not let him tee off on him. But no, he, he, uh, he he's a guy that, that actually played uh, most all of his ball there. And then interesting enough, went for his senior year and went to my son's high school uh, in Fort Collins, uh, Rocky Mountain. Okay. And, and which is really an unbelievable, great baseball school. And, and, you know, in Montana, you don't, you have Legion ball in the summer. Yep. But you actually don't have uh, uh, high school uh, baseball with your teams. All right. With your, or with your schools. So you played the Legion season all summer and he went and played then, uh, that last year uh, in Fort Collins uh, for Rocky Mountain and, and pitched that year and then was a major high draft choice and got a long career. But, yes, uh, another one from Missoula, Montana. You know what? This is where broadcasting and maybe the Tigers should think about this, where they use like a phone a friend where they can bring in someone yeah. that's got all the knowledge. <laughs> Because look, at I didn't even tell you we were going to talk about this, and you already have all this information. You know the one player from Montana, Coach Mack's going to know who it is. They could have used you for that broadcast the other day. Well, Adam, I'm just going to just clarify one thing there. Um, every one of my buddies, anybody who really knows me, knows the one thing I'm full of is useless information. <laughs> that That is I, – I, there are – uh, and, and, you know, it's it's just amazing some of the stuff that you kind of remember or, or memorize or whatever that is that really have no bearing on life. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's just uh, stupid tidbits, I guess, more than anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, super awesome. Cody Hoyer, six-round pick by the White Sox. We wish him the best. And uh, he's, carrying, he's carrying the flag himself right now for Missoula, Montana. All right, Coach Mack. Well, it's our favorite time of the podcast where we bring in a new guest. Last week, we had a broadcaster in Detroit, Matt Shepard. This week, we've got another broadcaster in Detroit, and I know a good pal of yours, George Blaha. Yeah, George. I, I, George, thanks so much for doing this. I I, I got to tell you, our friendship means so much to me, but uh, for you to come on and, and spend some time, I just wanted to say thanks to begin with. Well, it's great to be on with a uh, – with uh, one of my best pals, and uh, we've had some great talks uh, that weren't on the podcast. Let's see how we can do uh, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. But you know, I I got to tell you, we 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 built this friendship obviously uh, when we were at uh, Michigan State when we first met each other, and yes, sir, and George and his wife has have followed us, came to game in Alabama, and and uh, you know, have stayed in touch ever since. But you know, I. I kind of look at your career a little bit and, and I think it's really interesting, you know, to, to kind of step back a little bit and, and George, how did you even get into broadcasting? How does that work? Well, I think you're, uh, one reason we were always on the same page is, um, you always paid attention to games and wanted to either watch them or listen to them. Yep. And, uh, even though I'm from a different generation, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I wanted to watch them or listen to them. And at that time, 
you know, baseball only had a game of the week and, uh, uh, radio was really the key to, to listening to any games. And I was growing up in the middle of Iowa, just like you grew up in Montana. And so, uh, all the baseball games were on these 50,000 watt powerhouses around the country. And, uh, you could, you could tune into half a dozen games a night. And, uh, so I got to hear these guys doing the games and I thought, man, short of planning these games or maybe sitting in the stands and having a hot dog, this is the gr- greatest thing you could do. Plus I understand they get paid to do it. So, uh, so I decided what well, heck I must've been eight, nine, 10 years old. That's what I wanted to do. And, you know, my dad tried to discourage me saying, you know, that's a long shot deal there, but, uh, no one could discourage me. And sooner or later, I got lucky enough to get a, get a job and work my way up. But, you know, uh, you know, coming out of Michigan and, and kind of being from here and then going over to Notre Dame for your undergrad and then, and getting a master's from Michigan, you know, I, I, I noticed that, you know, you got an MBA at Michigan and yet, was that how does that translate to you know the worm and and uh you know some of those guys the microwave and you know i mean how does that translate well it goes back to my dad again he said look um i want to give you the best chance to be successful in life and i still think this broadcasting's a crapshoot so you need to get some kind of advanced degree in something so I decided business might be the way to go. And, uh, and I was a little closer to Detroit where I was at the time. So that's where I went. But, uh, and I think, you know, frankly, if nothing else, uh, you guys in coaching feel the same way. There's probably, even though they might think you're a one trick pony and maybe we all are, but you do know there's maybe one other thing you could do reasonably well and you could fall back on it. So it never hurts to, to feel that way. And so that's, that's why I'm glad I, I did do it. But uh, I went on to uh, try to get a job in a small town and got one in Adrian, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I did football there. And by the time basketball season started, uh, they thought we were all making too much money. So I had to move on. I went to Lansing, did some news on uh, one of the stations there and was able to get some play-by-play on that station. And then, luckily enough, at WJIM in Lansing, got to start doing Michigan State football. And uh, you know, that was, to me, uh, maybe the greatest break ever, because suddenly, in your mind, you know you're, you're broadcasting a big-time athletic event. And uh, so for years and years and years, I've been doing Spartan football, and I, ha- I had a buddy who worked at a, a station in Detroit, and he told the sports director there, look, I got this guy uh, who knows Mike Cuellar's strikeouts to innings pitch ratio and uh, <laughs> things like that. Maybe you could use him. That, that'd, uh, that'd be the <laughs> Orioles, wouldn't it? Yeah, darn right. You got it. Yeah. Okay, good. Boog Powell can take it deep with anybody, but exactly. go ahead. Exactly. Way to go, <laughs> Mac. And, it, and um, actually, a Montana guy pitched for them, Dave McNally. How oh, is he that? good? I didn't yeah. know he's a Montana guy. A lot of, a lot Montana, of great athletes from there. All right. Including Coach Mack. Yeah, so, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, hey, uh, so the guy at uh, WJR said, 
well, we don't really have an opening for somebody on our uh, sports staff to, to do sportscasts. Those are all filled, but filled, but we do have an opening for somebody to do Detroit Piston basketball. And I heard that and I said, man, where do I get in line? So, so I, I all had all these college football tapes that I sent the guy and he said, really, I need basketball. So I had broadcast some high school basketball, of course. And I, and I broadcast a state championship game between Holton Muskegon Heights. And I sent him that tape and uh, he said, man, I like it. He said, you got a chance to get this job. And that was like in uh, maybe May. And you don't make a decision until probably September at the, uh, uh, at the earliest. So I kept calling. He said, now you're still our number one guy. And I'm thinking I'm on, I'm the leader in the clubhouse, but there's, there are guys like Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas and <laughs> Tiger Woods sooner or later out there. Uh, and there was a guy out there named, um, uh, Bob Costas. He'd been, he'd been, uh, out of work because the St. Louis spirit of the ABA folded and somehow or other, I hung on against him and got the Pistons job and the rest is history. I, I knew one thing, coach, if I got a good job in a town that I liked uh, around my family, I was going to do my best not to screw it up, yeah. you know, do my best to keep it. And I never really wanted to be on the network. I always thought that you could relate better to uh, to the fans if you were their guy doing their team's games at the end of uh, a long work day when they're popping a cold one. So uh, be careful of what you wish for. That's what I wanted to do, and I got my I got an opportunity to do it, and uh, and it's still uh, it's rolling right along. And you know, you, you you just think about those things in. You know, I, I, I can't help but think, you know, the St. Louis spirit and, and, of course, watching the ABA, you know, I was a big Denver Nuggets fan, all right, with Monty Tao. Oh, yeah. The, the passes he could throw length the court around his back, you know, to David Thompson and Issel. God, it was he, awesome. But Oh, man, we used to call Issel Old Man River. He's a great guy, by the way. <laughs> you, you probably know him, but if you don't, he's a great guy. Yeah, but – in the spirit, I mean, this is total off subject, but is what Daryl Dawkins with them? I I think Moses Malone Moses might have been Malone. with them. There you go. Uh, That's right. Double D was with the Nets. By the way, he played for us in Detroit, and uh-huh. uh, great, wonderful guy. I love being around him. If, if you couldn't have uh, some laughs with Daryl Dawkins, then you didn't have a good sense of humor. <laughs> and, and he. Uh, some guy met him on a plane and he said, you used to play for the Pistons, didn't you? He said, um, he said, well, I met, uh, the broadcaster, George Blaha one time, Daryl said, he's a great guy, but don't try to drink beer with him. He might put you, he might put you under the table, which of course was an exaggeration. Daryl Dawkins could put anybody under the table. Sure. <laughs> it, it, let, let, let's go back to Kobo arena. All right. It's, it's, 1976 right you you land this job tell me what it was like walking into the arena the preparation for that first game and who was who who were the opponents who did we play against that's a great question uh 
Coach Mack, the uh, the opposition uh, against the Pistons in that one uh, was the Washington Bullets. Uh, okay. They're now called the Wizards, but they were the Bullets. And um, two Hall of Fame big men who you never Unseld. never want to meet in a fight. Wes uh, <laughs> Unseld and Bob Lanier, Bob Lanier walked right. out for the opening tip. And we just lost Wes in recent months. Yep. He's an awesome human being. And But anyway, so I'm thinking, wow, I better buckle up my seatbelt. Uh, this is a grown man's league here. And um, I got through the game. It was exciting to me just to be there. Uh, I think Washington won, but Bob had a good game. And uh, so I go out to get in my car and drive back to uh, Okemos, east of uh, Lansing, where I was living. And, oh, about 45 minutes later, I saw this sign that said, Welcome to Gross Point. Well, Gross Point is uh, a famous uh, suburb east of Detroit. So, so far... (laughs) I've been going the wrong way. Exactly. <laughs> so that's how uh, uh, distracted I was. You know, that that was a big deal for me. People ask me what was some, most, some of your most exciting moments in broadcasting. That has to be right there. When you get that first chance to do that uh, pro game uh, and you know you're on a powerful station, at, uh, you know, your friends know you're doing the game. They're going to listen to you and tell you uh, either you were great or you were terrible, depending on uh, whether they're messing with you or not. But you know that there are people listening to you that you don't even know. And uh, it's you better get it right. And I kind of think I did, but I certainly didn't get it right on the way home. No. <laughs> well, I tell you, that, that tells you the excitement of that day. You know, sure. and, and probably just like a coach. I would imagine you replay the game in your mind even afterwards, you know, and, and maybe the calls you made. And yeah. What did I say about this? Was that right? Or was that wrong? And, uh-huh. and out of bounds place, thank God I got that right. Yeah. Uh, and well, I think you guys that have the, as a head coach, I know as a, as a coordinator, how much more pressure could there be than being a coordinator and winning two national championships at Alabama, uh, <laughs> calling all those plays for Nick. But uh, when suddenly you're the head coach and everything's in your lap, uh, that has to be an insane amount of pressure. And uh, when, when you've had to uh, make all the decisions at Colorado state for the first time, that had to be a heck of a, of a night for you or day despite the fact that you'd already been in the national spotlight at Bama, at least I would think, wasn't it, Coach? Yeah, you know, and, and you know, you think about that, just like you did in Kobo Arena. Uh, ours was in, well, I'll still call it Mile High Stadium against our rivals. Colorado. Absolutely. And, and I was watching that game and pulling for you, buddy, and you yeah, didn't let me down. Being able to, to win that first one and, and think about there there are a lot of great memories, but, you, you never forget those, and yet, you know, as a coach, sometimes you don't remember the wins as much as you do the losses. <laughs> That's probably the problem. But uh, Well, I'm sure, I'm sure of that because, you know, every, somebody's got to lose every game. Yeah. One of those two teams isn't going to walk out of there with a W. Well, it's, and it, they, it and goes, they got guys on scholarship, too. That's right. And it goes back to it drives me nuts because you – 
remember watching my daughter's t-ball game when she was little and and uh my son's uh little league game and, and it, it they they all got participation ribbons for christ's sake so, well that's not how it really works you're either gonna win or lose so you it, better look i think field. so yeah but, um yeah so you know, as, as you kind of develop a style, you know, and, and kind of what that's going to be, obviously, in your case, I listen to your games and and you either call the guys by their nicknames or their first name. What Where did kind of where did you come up with that? Now, if I could call somebody the microwave, I'd say that all the time. I mean, that, <laughs> that guy could come in and fill it up with anybody. But uh, how, how did you how did you kind of come up with that? Well, you know. Um, coach, when, when you're the team's broadcaster in the NBA, anyway, uh, you, you travel with the team, whether it's back in the day on a TWA commercial flight, uh, then you're down there first thing in the morning. In those days, you had to take the first flight out, uh, in the morning after a game, cause the NBA wanted to make sure that if there was some travel difficulties, you had the best chance of having the game not get canceled. So you'd be on the elevator with a, with a headache sometimes or or whatever, uh, with Bob Lanier on the way down to the lobby, you know, a nice semi pleasant hello, but that's all you wanted to say at that hour of the day. And, uh, but those guys were always so nice to me that as the years went on, you know, uh, Vinny Johnson wasn't Vinny. He was VJ. And, uh, I, I couldn't call Isaiah Thomas Thomas. So, uh, and Bill Lambeer, when we saw Bill, we wouldn't say, uh, Bill, we might say Billy, but mostly we'd say lamb. So sooner or later, I just started letting that slip into my broadcast. It, uh, it was almost, it was natural. And, and I thought, well, you know what? People seem to like it. I think it works. So, and it requires a little less concentration. I'm just going to call a guy what I call him if I saw him uh, in the hotel lobby or in the saloon. So that's that's kind of where that came from. Yeah, and I I tell you what, I love it because it, it 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 really makes it you know it makes it personal. You know, when you're listening. That's to what I thought. Thing. Yeah, I. I you know, you, you talked about those fifty thousand watt stations, and Adam and I talked. I, I'd catch, you know, the Bay Area game, so I'd get the Oakland A's, and uh, and there was just nothing like watching the game on the radio. Yeah, and you should always say that to me. That was nice of you. Yeah. Yes, I, I, because, you know, going even going left to right on the radio dial when you hear that, at least I can look at the radio dial and think I know where it's going. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, so you must have heard Bill King do the Golden yeah. State Warriors. You got the it. Raiders and the A's. What yep. a great broadcaster he was. I, if if I were to rank the guys I've heard in my lifetime, uh, who did a magnificent job, he'd be in my top ten. Yep. Yeah, was he a was he a great play by play guy? <laughs> and and you know what? They're the ones that that paint those pictures. I you know I think about your you know your tape calling the state high school uh, <laughs> basketball. Finals and and that's your tape to go get the Pistons job. I uh, I think about a good friend Colin Cowherd that you know when he landed the Las Vegas Stars Triple uh, A baseball job his first uh-huh. college he he had his tapes from the you know Eastern Washington baseball game you know I mean what what 
you know, it was just, it, it, it was pretty fascinating. So, so when you, when you would like compile some things like that, how did you like, you know, you didn't have an agent then you had a network, right? You, you, is that kind of how it works? You're just networking friends. Yeah. And you know, what? um, there was a uh, magazine called uh, Broadcasting. It may still be. Adam might be able to tell us about that. But uh, in the back, there were positions open, and you know, and a, a and a lineup too of people looking for work. Sure. So you you uh, look at those things, and and you had to send out a tape. So you had to put together something that was more or less your best stuff. And I didn't feel like um, I could send them 15 minutes. I had to send them, you know, six or eight. On the other hand, if you only send them six or eight, you could send them some good stuff. Didn't have to send them where you messed up. So, uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but, you know, you, uh, but I went over to Muskegon for a Michigan State function oh, about three summers ago. And I told those guys, "Your uh, Muskegon is important to me because – Muskegon Heights and Holt played in the game that I had sent a tape of to the Pistons and I got the Pistons job. So I got to make a contribution to something over here because they've made a contribution to me. <laughs> That's great. And, and by the way, who won that game? Muskegon Heights. Gotcha. Uh, uh, Holt had a kid named Jeff Trofe who was a heck of a player, but uh, Muskegon Heights, you know, you, you probably recruited football players from there. Uh, Muskegon High always was a little better in football because it's a bigger school and football was more important there. But Muskegon Heights was always great in basketball in their time. Sure. George, you, you, uh, you know, as, as you've kind of seen things in, in one of the things, I guess, that, that, you know, a lot of people, you know, they watch the games now on TV and, and, and that type of thing. But Looking back at some of the great arenas that you've been able to be in, right? Uh, tell me a little bit about some of those that, that maybe are just incredibly uh, awesome and maybe maybe incredibly historic. Tell us about some of that. Well, um, let me start with football. Uh-huh. The, um, in my early days of broadcasting Michigan State football, in the early seventies and mid seventies. Uh, the first time I went to the Ohio stadium yeah. and that's an old place. If you get into the bowels of it and, you know, walk toward the press box and the, uh, and the media rooms and so forth. And you just think about all the history that was made there. And, uh, so that always turned my head. And of course, being a uh, Notre Dame graduate, I love doing games from uh, beneath the Golden Dome and uh, and going to the Coliseum. We played USC at the Coliseum a couple times, UCLA once, and uh, so man, there is some history out here. Yeah. And what I open up the window uh, one day in, in L.A. and you know, oftentimes it's kind of smoggy there, but. Uh, there was no smog. You could see those mountains. And I said, I know why people want to be in this market, man, <laughs> this is a, this is a heck of a town. And, and when it comes to basketball, uh, clearly Boston garden, yeah. probably and Madison square garden 
would be uh, right at the top of my list. Boston Garden has been replaced, but uh, if you if you walk by where Boston Garden was, they, they got a new place right behind it, and you could probably still smell all that stale beer <laughs> in, that, in that building. Uh, but they had so many great teams there, and we had so many great games with the Celtics. Madison Square Garden speaks for itself. You know, it's in the Big Apple. And I always enjoyed, uh, even though it was a raucous place to play and a hateful rivalry, the old Chicago Stadium. Oh, sure. Man, the noise level in there was off the charts. And and it was great to go to the uh, Forum in Englewood, California, in the L.A. area, and you go by, I think it was Hollywood Park, the racetrack next door. Yep. And next thing you know, all the all the beautiful people are pulling up in fancy cars uh, <laughs> at the Forum. And it, Magic Johnson did so much for the Lakers, but think how fortunate it was for Irvin to be picked by L.A. Yeah. Uh, man, what that did for his career and uh, – uh, and his whole career uh, was nothing but championships, it seems. No, that's absolutely right. And, and you know, those runs that you were on, uh, you know, winning, you know, NBA titles with 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 the great uh, Pistons teams that that had to be it had to be an unbelievable run in itself. Well, you know what, Coach, the uh, the '80s decade. In the NBA, in my opinion, was the greatest decade uh, pro basketball has ever had. And I don't know if we'll have one uh, equal to that again, because there were so many great players, uh, a laundry list of at least very good teams and at least a handful of great teams in that decade. So for the Pistons to be able to put it all together and and beat some of the greatest teams of all time and win back-to-back championships was a heck of an accomplishment. In the meantime, back home in Michigan uh, and in Detroit, where, you know, uh, fans kind of feel uh, sometimes a little bit ignored and suddenly we're beating the best teams in the land and competing for and then finally winning championships I mean, the support was just spectacular. Everybody in every suburb and everybody's family wanted to be at those games. And yeah. it was impossible not to sell them out. Sure. And our, and our players, I thought, responded well in the community. Uh, they understood they were uh, on, the, on the list of celebrities, and, and they I, – all in all, they treated our fans great. And, and that's had a lot to do with the success some of them ha- have had uh, after basketball. Vinny Johnson, for instance, I think is in the top five of all athletes uh, making money after they stop playing. Uh, wow. Certainly in the top five of, in terms of basketball players. He's, he got into the um, automotive supply business and uh, – He's just, he's done a spectacular job, but he's such a good guy that people wanted to do business with him to begin with. Now, of course, they still want to do business with him because he's a good guy, but also because he knows what he's doing. Sure. Well, I'd say the, you know, I, you know, 
Adam's sitting over there right now going, I, I could, I could do this. This, this is a blast for me. And, uh, George, I, I just, uh, more than anything, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. We could go on for days and uh, I, I do want to tell one story. You, you, a good friend of yours in, in coaching by the name of Dick Carter. Um, oh man, you, I, you, I love brought him by to see us, uh, when we were at Michigan State, and, and I was telling you the story prior to it, going to the Dick Harder basketball camp, and all I learned was how to dive on the floor for a ball. <laughs> he would have been a good football coach. Yeah, that's right. And he loved college football, absolutely loved college football. He was okay with the pros, but uh, he loved football. And and it was neat that, that you went to his camp, and, and I know that as the best player – uh, in Montana, you probably expected to shoot nothing but jump shots all week, but it was a different story, right? No, I came home with bruises and my knees were sore, and, you know, but, but I tell you what, I learned how to, I, I knew we were in trouble when the first drill was taught by the volleyball coach, and this is how you dive on the floor. So, I Oh, really? That you didn't tell me that story. That's great. Yeah, no, it's it, a lot of fun, but George, again, I, it means so much. I, I, I can't wait to see you on the radio again. And uh, at the same time, uh, you know, keep up what you're doing. And, and I'll tell you what, you've been such an ambassador for all of sports in, in the state of Michigan and obviously throughout the Detroit area, but more importantly, throughout the state. And, and it meant so much to me to see you come down on the floor there at, at Ford Field when we played in that championship game to say hello. I just want to say that meant a bunch. Well, I was proud of you. Man, you you got things going at CMU in a hurry. I knew you would. And uh, I was bragging that I that's exactly what I expected. And I, you guys would have been, I think, excellent this fall. And let's just hope that you get a chance to play in the spring and uh, your guys who who believe in you and believe in your coaching staff get a chance to show just how good they can be. I think Nebraska is lucky they didn't have to play you. You know, I, I, um, I was laying in wait for a couple of those cause I'm with you. I, I, I got a lot of belief in these guys. I really felt we had the parts parts there, but you know what? Uh, we're going to, we're going to get through this and get through it together. And, and, uh, when we do get a play again, uh, we're going to come out and, and show some people who we are. So I, I really appreciate that. But more than anything, uh, Get yourself out on the golf course now. You still got some time, and uh, I really I guess appreciate so. you taking the time doing this. Thanks. Well, this George. was so much fun. Let's do it again. Okay, you're. Hey, did you hear that, Adam? I did. Every He's time a... you need a guest, give me a call. Wow, there it is, Coach. <laughs> the first repeat customer. How's that? <laughs> you guys are great. Hey, Adam. Uh, all the best to you in broadcasting as well. Thanks, George. I really appreciate that, and uh, just to piggyback off what coach Mack has has said it's been awesome to follow your career and and everything you've done for Detroit and Michigan sports and looking forward to watching the Pistons and of course following you call Michigan State when when the seasons get going again yeah whenever we get a chance to play uh I'll be happy to be there you know George you're going to be calling you got to hang in there because we're playing them here a couple couple years down the road so um you take it easy on us when we play them okay I'll be waiting for you man all right. <laughs> All right, coach. Thanks, buddy.
George Blaha, voice of the Pistons and the Spartans, and he's been doing it for years. And, Coach, I know he's a good friend of yours. What a great conversation that was. Oh, I, I, God, I, it's one of those. I, you know, we just, when we hung up, there's so much. I, I could sit and talk to him forever. And, uh, you know, the things he's seen and what a great person he is and, and just a fun guy to be around, you know. Um, I really appreciate him coming on, and, and I hope the people enjoyed it too. Yeah, and, and just behind the scenes in terms of broadcasting, Coach, you know, he, he's someone that's that's helped me out. I've obviously met him a few different times. Uh, I've shadowed one of his broadcasts in, uh, for the Pistons, and, of course, when, when Central Michigan has played Michigan State, he's always very courteous and come over and says hello and, you know, anything he can do to help. He, he's just a, a genuinely very good person. So awesome to see well, a guy like that have so much success. You know, and he actually helped the Chippewas out this summer. Um, he got a hold of some people, you know, when when uh, you know, things were, were tough financially, obviously, for us just trying to feed our players. And uh, he took it on his own and actually got some people to, to give to Chippewa football and, and to help our guys through this, uh, you know, thing we're going through. And, and uh, he certainly didn't need to do that, and yet, and, and I didn't ask him. He did it on his own, and that just means so much as well. Yeah. Like you said in the inter- interview, ambassador for the state of Michigan and, and sports in Michigan, whether it be with the Pistons or the Spartans or, or other teams like, like you guys at Central Michigan. So can't thank George Blaha enough for coming on. And our first guest that said during the interview he's willing to come back on in the future. How about that, Coach? I guess, Adam, we did something right. How about that? I, I, I do think that is the very first one that's ever offered to come back. So we're, we must be doing something right as we're getting uh, getting more of these going. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of thinking about next week and maybe um, maybe something would be good for the people is, is maybe we get another uh, college head coach on and kind of see what they're going through and, and – uh, you know, a chance uh, to get another perspective uh, from a coach as, as it in regards to uh, what's going on uh, nationally and uh, within our region uh, in college football. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's a great idea, Coach, just to get that, that different perspective like you're talking about. And, you know, you're not the only coach, uh, CMU, not the only program that's obviously trying to deal with this pandemic. And, whether they're facing uh, the opportunity to play, depending on the conference or not, or, or if they're trying to hope for a spring season as well. So, yeah, that sounds great to me. I think people would really enjoy that. Well, let's go ahead and do that. I'll see if I can make some calls. I, I You know, I've made a lot of enemies, obviously, uh, over the year. <laughs> but, uh, there might be a couple that will take my call. How's that? Yeah, I was going to say, your, your connection list is a little bit deeper in the college football coaches department than mine is, so I'm relying on you this week for this guest. Well, I figured now that we've done three broadcasters, you know, I think somebody <laughs> should maybe, maybe we have to get to some, somebody that's outside of your profession. How's that? Yeah, I know. Like I said, I think the people are, are pretty much realizing I've taken a monopoly on picking the guests with all these broadcasters <laughs> we keep having on. That's right. Well, that sounds great, Coach. I'm looking forward to it and, uh, you know, love the positivity that you continue to preach even though the season is not going to happen here in the fall. We we hopefully look forward to the spring and I know you're taking care of the team and you're as anxious as ever to get them back out on the field, but 
we'll just keep on keeping on and hope for the best in college football and, and of course, the world as we await this um, this difficult year to get by. Yeah, there's, and, and, you know, ultimately, I just I still can't echo the support that we have as, as Chip was from our fans and, and our supporters and, and uh, the people out there really helping our program is uh, I just can't say thanks enough because, uh, um, you know, these guys need it. And uh, that's one thing that's great about being a chip. Absolutely, Coach. No question about it. A lot of support of people for the maroon and gold and that uh, care a ton about Central Michigan and the football program at that. Well, Coach, thanks so much again for coming on. Enjoy your weekend. And uh, as always, Fire up chips and go Tigers, because uh, last I checked, they're sitting right up there in that first place category or, or right around it. So how about they just keep winning games? No, I tell you, they're fun. That's a fun ball squad to watch. And, and uh, you know, on top of that, you know, I, I'm thinking about when we were looking at Stratomatic Baseball and they were 20 and a half out at, at midseason. And, boy, they're, they're actually making some noise. So uh, go Tigers. I'm all in. That's right. All right, Coach, we'll enjoy the rest of your week and uh, look forward to doing this again next Thursday. All right, buddy, you be good.